0: Welcome back, everyone. Are you ready to learn about some history? I love history. This is Queer Halftime. My name is Becca. I use she, they pronouns. And the amazing Kelsey is back. Oh, hi.
1: My name is Kelsey. I also use she, they pronouns. And by back, she means I was not here for one episode. (laughs) So, like, I didn't even go very far. (laughs) It was one episode. Did you...
0: Did you listen to the one that you weren't on? Oh my
1: God, honestly, no, I'm sorry. It's, I know, I'm a little bit behind. See how it I'm is. behind on our own podcast, which is kind of wild to me, but you know, life, life gets in the way sometimes of listening. That's fair, that's fair.
0: Um, so speaking of she days, I had actually my childhood babysitter send me a very nice review of this podcast um, uh, but was very curious about the combo pronouns. So I thought that could be our concept of
1: the week. Ah, I love that. I love combo pronouns. They're my favorite.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, you might see people using they, she, he, they, she, he, they, like all kinds of different combos with slashes. Um, and basically that means that they use all of those things and that you should use them kind of interchangeably, like. Kelsey will do this thing where like she'll use both in one
1: sentence, and it's always super impressive. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how that happens. I would like to say that I'm skilled, but I'm not. It's just fluke.
0: <laughs> yeah. So some people put like the first one is the one they want to use most often, but I think for most people, it's just use them interchangeably. So um, for me and Kelsey, you know, one sentence or conversation, we might be she's, and then the next one we might be they's. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and there's, you know, a thousand different reasons that people might use them. So the reason I use multiple is, while I'm not non-binary, I am very much a lady. I feel like woman doesn't kind of tell the full story. Um, You know, I'm like girl plus, I've got extra features.
1: I use she they because I personally prefer they them pronouns but I don't feel uh, I don't feel misgendered by she her pronouns um I am non-binary and I was assigned female at birth and although sometimes I have a little bit of gender dysphoria, it's not in the way that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm absolutely not a female. I don't have female parts. I am kind of okay with the assumption that people have about me in society. Um, And I'm more focused on gender-neutral language like avoiding the term ladies which I get all the time and that kind of thing drives me more bonkers than people using like she her pronouns for me so it's kind of just my way of slowly introducing to people because I've recently come out as non-binary that's how I slowly introduce to them that it's not just she her for me does that make sense
0: yeah it's Oh, totally. It's fun when we are doing some kind of presentation or the two of us are greeted at the same time. And I mean, we get ladies mm-hmm. a lot, which is annoying for mm-hmm. you, but the one that kills me is girls. Cause that's insulting to both of us in different ways. Yeah. Cause you're not a girl and I, you know, I'm 27. I'm an adult <laughs> That's
1: the thing, right? Like, and I don't understand, especially the term girl seems very focused on, what's in my pants. And I don't yeah. like that. It's like don't don't talk about that. Like you may as well walk up and be like, "Hello females." Like, no, no.
0: <laughs> well, and you don't walk up to a group of guys that you don't know and be like, "Hey boys."
1: I mean, I feel like people do, but they shouldn't.
0: I mean, there's like going out with the boys.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. But it's usually like you referring to your friends or your partner referring mm-hmm. to your friends, right? And like, I love, like, I wouldn't walk into a room of men and say hey, like, boys. "Hello yeah. boys.
1: <laughs> hey, boys." I really like, like, I always really like the girls, gays and nays, like terminology. So like, yeah. like in a, like a general term when you're like trying, like, I don't mind the girl word, but I don't like, yeah, I don't understand why people have to walk up and comment on that right off the bat.
0: Yeah, especially when it's someone in authority and it'll be like, oh, the girls will, you know, yeah. do this.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's one of those things that I'm like, <gasps> like it's a cringe, but it, it's, we're, I think we're so used to it, you know what I mean? That I think we kind of cringe yeah. and move on, but I think we need to hold people more accountable. Be like, stop using that terminology. Yeah, like sure. Becca and I will be places constantly. We, it's ladies every five seconds I don't know why anywhere that we are if we're at a restaurant hey ladies if we're at our office hey ladies and it's like but you don't know what's in my pants I know
0: and I'm always like I notice it but I'm like we're in public and it's not my place to
1: like say hey Kelsey's not a lady I don't like outing myself every five seconds contrary to popular belief like although I do like being a token (laughs) gay in the room I don't like outing myself 24 hours a day like to people that I don't care about it's just I'm like meh right yeah especially in public like it's not worth it
0: yeah so yeah that's our little Mm. rant (laughs) we'll see if there's any more rants um later in the episode will be Because what we're talking about is good Mm -hmm. ramp fodder. (laughs) So we're talking about two of my um, favorite subjects, uh, history and politics. And when I say history, like it's the earliest we're going back is like 1969. Most of this is going to be the nineties and early Mm two thousands. And it's going to be talking about same-sex marriage in Canada. So firstly, I just want to say, we're not going to be using the term marriage equality uh, because we don't have marriage equality mm-hmm. um for instance in Ontario where this kind of all kicked off if you um get are you a disabled person who gets financial support um you can lose that if you not only if you get married but even if you just move in with a partner
1: mm-hmm.
0: right because the government can decide even after like three months that you're common law and take away your financial aid even mm-hmm. though it costs a lot more to be disabled absolutely <laughs> like, when you add in prescriptions, specialist visits, mobility aids, medical devices, um, all kinds of things, like it's it gets really expensive and people shouldn't have to be dependent on
1: their partners. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yeah, won't be using marriage equality. Yeah, because it doesn't exist and that affects all the communities, right? Including the queer community. And like disabled people as a whole are so, so like discriminated against And then like, I would imagine the disabled queer community has a whole different level of experiences that I can't even fathom, like.
0: Yeah, so we're also gonna be talking about, I mean, we're gonna be using very binary terms like same sex and opposite sex, Mm -hmm. uh, because most of this relates to just sexuality. It doesn't really take gender into account. Um, In fact, when you bring in, you know, intersex people and transgender people, it can actually get really, really complicated depending on how the legislation of a certain country is written, if it uses Mm -hmm. the terms like male, female. Um, So yeah, this can be mostly looking at sexuality. And kind of my last disclaimer is, you know, I mean, we're talking about it in like colonial history terms, obviously like same-sex marriage has been a thing all over the world, all through time, like Mm -hmm. Emperor Nero married two men, like it's yeah it's always been a thing so we're talking about it kind of it was outlawed by a lot of christian colonialists um and then we're the re-legalization yeah so yeah those are my disclaimers um kelsey if i get too jargony accidentally please stop me and ask me to explain what the hell i'm talking about because sometimes absolutely i just get on a run so (laughs) Have you ever heard the phrase, there's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation? Oh, have I ever. Our good friend, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Indeed. So that was Trudeau Sr. in 1969, when certain homosexual acts, quote unquote, were legalized under certain circumstances. So for instance, you had to be 21. Um, So there was a different age of consent for homosexual and heterosexual acts, whatever that means. (laughs) Um, And it had to be within the home between two people. So um, if you were polyamorous, that was still not okay. Um, And this was primarily focused on uh, things that men do with other men. That's usually been the focus. That's the focus of like the gross indecency uh, laws which were very vague on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, sex between two women has usually been kind of ignored or like that doesn't happen. Yeah. They're just gal pals. Yeah. Like, don't be silly. Or how do they really <laughs> do
1: that, anyways? You
0: know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's no penis involved, so it's not sex. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. So that was 1969. So um, the age of consent wasn't actually made the same until 2019 yeah so it was lowered from 21 to 18 um but it wasn't until three years ago that they were kind of all the same
1: and they are the same because i thought that it was still like i thought that you still couldn't consent to what they call sodomy until you were 18 years old
0: so you can um So the age of consent in Canada is 16, with a couple of exceptions. Um, It's 18 if the older person is in a position of trust or authority. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also an exception for uh, youth who are close in age. So say two 15-year-olds. Yeah.
1: And there's like an age difference, right? So there's like a 14-year-old can only consent to so many ages, years above or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's
0: like 12 to 15 or something in there. that range. Um, So yeah, there are some stipulations, but generally it is now the same as of a couple years ago.
1: That's so good. That is like, that's so important for queer youth. I have a very personal attachment to stuff like this because I've seen the impacts of laws like these on friends, right? Like I have male friends that were in relationships with other males and were punished for it like legally and it's it changes and ruins people's lives
0: oh yeah no there used to be really serious legal repercussions i mean if you go far enough back it was punishable by death um and then that was changed to
1: imprisonment all because of what you're doing in your bedroom like what yeah it blows my mind it literally blows my mind anyways continue no worries Uh, so then in
0: 1999 the supreme court of canada ruled that same-sex couples were entitled to receive the same like legal and financial benefits as married regular married couples Mm -hmm. Um, but it stopped just short of actually allowing them to marry
1: suspicious
0: yeah so it's like okay we'll give you the same benefits but you still can't yeah (laughs) (laughs) so this did vary between provinces Mm -hmm. because Canada does this super weird division of like what's provincial jurisdiction and what's federal and sometimes it's kind of random so here the definition of marriage is under the federal jurisdiction but everything around marriages and weddings is provincial
1: interesting
0: yeah it's yeah, it's a strange divide. So
1: when people talk about how marriage was legalized in different, legalized in different provinces at different times, that's what they mean.
0: Yeah, so we're going to get into that. Perfect. So we go 1995. Um, the second openly gay member of parliament, his name was Raelle Menard, uh, called for the legal recognition of same-sex relationships. Uh, and then in 19 19- that doesn't look right. 1998, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was typing my notes very late. (laughs) 1998, Sven Robinson, who was the first gay MP, um, tabled what's called a private member's bill to legalize same-sex marriage. So a private member's bill is just um, a bill that isn't brought around by the government. Mm -hmm. So right now there would be, with the liberal party in charge, There would be government bills, which are ones that they bring in, and then private member bills would be ones that say the conservatives wanted or the NDP or the bloc. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and usually those don't make it very far. So, and that's what happened with this one, is there wasn't this public sentiment Mm -hmm. at the time for it to even make it past uh, what we call first reading. So very, very preliminary. It got shot down pretty quickly. Yes. So then we fast forward a couple of years, to Ontario on January 14th, 2001, Reverend Brent Hawkes forced the issue by performing two same-sex marriages. And he did this using a hmm. little like quirk of Ontario law that allowed him to basically perform the marriages and do the paperwork later. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's something about um, bans of marriage. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and um, funny enough, he himself um, is currently married to his partner of 40 years. Ah. So I always
1: I always love when religious figures like powerful religious figures kind of like spark parts of these movements, because I think that there's such a divide between like the community that worships and the queer community. And I think that it's like, yeah, like obviously it's warranted, but things like this are really, really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then when it came to actually filing for the marriage licenses, um, the clerk was like, absolutely not. We're not recognizing this. Um, And that prompted a lawsuit. Right. Nice. So, yeah. So that kind of really kicked off the fight for same-sex marriage in Canada. Uh, And very, very quickly over the next couple of years, the majority of other provinces and one of the territories followed suit with their own, um, lawsuits going to their superior courts, um, and all of these superior courts found that the definition of marriage uh, was unconstitutional under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, specifically the equality section, because the definition was one man and one woman
1: to the exclusion of all others. Just that's such an aggressive way to define marriage. <laughs> Ugh,
0: okay. <laughs> So, in 2003, uh, under Prime Minister uh, they the federal government said they're not going to try to appeal all these decisions. They weren't necessarily huge fans of it, but they started drafting what became the Civil Marriage Act. So, uh, July 20th, 2005, the Civil Marriage Act received royal assent, uh, which basically means the governor general signed off, said, yep,
1: this is a law, all good. Just a question. Does royal assent have anything to do with the queen? Yeah.
0: Yes. So we are a constitutional monarchy, which means we are still like technically under the British Mm -hmm. queen, but we have a constitution. We have a parliamentary Mm -hmm. government system. So basically royal assent is a formality, right? It's just, Hey, we made this law. Can you sign it? And we take it to the governor general who at the time was Adrian Clarkson um and yeah they go yep interesting all good wow yes uh so yeah 2005 uh would have been the Paul Martin government so yeah it was legal nationwide um uh, however under the freedom of religion section religious figures did not have to perform same sex marriages if they didn't want to rude <laughs> yeah they're like okay so you guys Yes, this violated the Charter, but also under the Charter.
1: I have like
0: too. We can't make priests perform them. Yay. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like various dioceses and religious institutions started coming out with like, hey, you can do this. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I mentioned that most Of the provinces (laughs) had legalized it on their own um i'm gonna tell you the three three of the holdouts and i'm gonna make you guess the other one okay um so it's prince edward island northwest territories nunavut and
1: alberta alberta this is like if if nobody takes anything away from this podcast today at all this is what i want people to take away is that we are sitting in a province that literally pushed this until they absolutely didn't have a choice (laughs) like
0: oh even after um so this was the time of ralph klein Mm. and if you're too young to know who that is this is a man who got the calgary hospital blown up what a gem oh yeah he's a real piece of work so (laughs) In the year 2000, uh, Alberta kind of got whiff that some things were happening, so they actually amended the Provincial Marriage Act to cement a heterosexual-only definition of marriage uh, and invoked what's called the Notwithstanding Clause to avoid any charter challenges.
1: So, Kelsey, do you know what that is? I don't, but it sounds like they made it so nobody could stop them from being mean. Basically, so when um, the Charter of Rights
0: and Freedoms was coming, you know, being written in the 80s, basically to get the prairie provinces on board, they included the notwithstanding clause. So basically, it meant that provinces could fight certain things and actually go against certain charter rights under certain Circumstances. So several provinces have threatened this, like Alberta has threatened it multiple times. Only three of them have actually used it, and that's Saskatchewan, Quebec, and I think, are there Ontario or Yukon? I can't remember which, but yeah, Quebec did it quite recently with their banning of religious symbols. And by religious symbols, we mean non Christian symbols. You could still wear a crucifix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if you wear a hijab then you're not related like,
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but all secularism
1: oh God.
0: yeah so um they basically use this clause try to avoid charter challenges um but like we said defining marriage is not provincial jurisdiction <laughs> so this isn't a thing they couldn't do this um, but Ralph Klein didn't really care because, you know, uh, so then 2005, when the Civil Marriage Act was passed federally, Klein had basically a temper tantrum and said that Alberta might stop solemnizing <laughs> marriages altogether and instead just give out civil union licenses to all couples getting married, regardless of sexuality, um, although this wouldn't affect religious institutions marrying people.
1: Yeah. i did not
0: know that oh the man threw a straight hissy fit <laughs> it's like it's well, we're gonna like, we're gonna stop to solemnizing let... marriages no one can get married now by the state or by the province
1: like if i have to let the gays get married nobody's allowed to get married for real yeah
0: so if you got married by a priest Amazing. it was the same thing but if you um did like a marriage with a jp or justice of the priest or peace um then yeah this didn't actually happen <laughs> It was just a threat. (laughs) Oh,
1: God. Could you imagine?
0: Wow. Oh, yeah. Because he kind of relented a month later uh, because he received a lot of legal advice that basically was like, hey, if you get taken to court, you have zero chance. And wasting, okay, wasting taxpayers' money to fight it would be, quote, giving false hope. Oh. And then Klein said another quote, much to our chagrin, Alberta would allow same-sex marriages. Well, shit.
1: If he has to, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I know it's yeah. So tide the tide God. had really changed to supporting same-sex marriage by this time. Um, mm. So he was his hand was kind of forced. Um, he did, however, say that the Alberta government would enact legislation to protect religious or civil officials who didn't want to perform these marriages. Um, but that was also never brought into effect so a lot of threats
1: (laughs) Ah! anyways oh yeah (laughs) yeah it's just so wild yeah wow
0: also one last note there Um, although same sex marriage was legal in 2005 the amendment that changed the provincial definition of marriage was not removed until 2014 when gender neutral language
1: was added wow That's eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So currently internationally, uh, 30
0: countries, soon to be 31, uh, have legalized same-sex marriage. There are several others who have kind of like common law rights and things like that, but haven't gone all the way to marriage. And then there's many more where it's illegal.
1: So mm-hmm. long way to go. Yeah. So, so long ago. Wow. It's just wild. What a journey. Yeah. We were just on together.
0: <sighs> yeah. I knew as soon as I started researching it, I'm like, okay, but how
1: did Alberta react? <laughs> yeah. And well, and I think we all could have assumed that it wasn't well. Yeah. I don't know that I would have guessed
0: that it was that poorly yeah, well, good old Ralph Klein, like, Mr. Austerity,
1: like, that's just so wild, like, I grew up in New Brunswick, not Alberta, so they were, like, you know, like, a smidgen ahead in, like, the legalization, like, the provincial legalization part, but not, like, it's not a good place to be gay, that's for sure, so, like, yeah, like, it's, like, that's the thing and I think people think that like being like marriage equality in my fake like what are these quotes my quotation marks yeah yeah and the words that were not used like people think that the legalization of gay marriage kind of stopped all discrimination altogether towards the queer community and like was kind of all we needed to be okay and safe and to exist in society like safely and happily and effectively and healthy. Right. But it's like, that's, that's like the bare, bare, bare minimum.
0: Oh yeah. I was watching <laughs> this discussion of a word that's very relevant right now, homo homonationalism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it talked about the difference between legislative supports and cultural support. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can have all the legislative stuff, but culturally it might not be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're wondering, homo nationalism is basically kind of using queer people as a token to measure the morality of a country yeah. um, and kind of hide your own. So, like it's really big in the US right now with everything going on in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the same with, you know, whenever they're in the Middle East or anything mm-hmm. like that, it's like, oh, look how they treat gay people. It's horrible. What? barbarians right yeah it's like just ignore the fact like you know that gives us an excuse to bomb them
1: right because yeah. we're
0: clearly superior because we let gay people marry yeah and that's that's not the situation
1: at all and canada
0: does the same thing we're big yeah. fans of
1: homo nationalism yeah yeah wow so yeah i think queer history in canada is so important we talk so much about queer history oh that was really like east coast about um, but we talk so <laughs> much about queer history in like the global sense and mainly in the states right mainly, like, I think yeah. everybody knows that but like i we really need to be talking about it like across the board like we need to be talking about like what happened here at home like and I love that we did Alberta I am so excited I think that like our next venture into queer history should be like Edmonton
0: oh yeah we had a bathhouse raid right here in Edmonton so maybe we'll do that
1: and then you know me I would love to talk about the food machine (laughs) oh my god (laughs) listen let me live (laughs) Purging
0: is my passion. I know you've rec- I've heard you recommend it to probably six different groups of people at this point.
1: No, but it's a super super important part of queer history, and I just I love talking about it. And I actually just ordered a book from Amazon of all about it. I am so excited! I'm so excited. Queer history in Canada is really really deep. It it's is really really deep. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, Canadian history in general is really, I find it's really interesting and overshadowed, especially because we're such a young country. I mean, young from a totally. colonial standpoint, obviously, um, that people think, you know, we are old enough to have history, but like mm-hmm. some of it, you know, we helped burn the White House down twice, y'all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We've cool been times. busy. Yeah. In our few years <laughs> oh for real oh
0: yeah there have been some interesting figures in canada that's for sure um and i've to mention we were the fourth to legalize same-sex marriage um although retroactively the first to perform it right because of those 2001 ontario marriages
1: mm-hmm. so both first and fourth so That's just so interesting. Like, I I know people think that this was, like, significantly before then, like, years prior. But none of this, like, this didn't happen. Like, this was in our lifetime. Oh, yeah. I was in grade five. Yeah. Like. How old was I in 2005? 14. I was 14 years old. Yeah, I tried for our first history
0: one to not do anything too, like, heavy or anything
1: well, you know, like, it's, like, a good kind of heavy. It's, like, we need to be educated. We need to know about this stuff, Um, especially as members of the queer community. Like, there was a lot of it that I kind of, like, have known, but I knew because I've been doing research for, like, other projects, right? Like, this isn't stuff that you learn in history class. Like, this isn't... You don't learn about intersectional rights (laughs) when you're in... Yeah. any university like well I mean in university probably but not in like high school history class like you don't learn about the rights of queer people of indigenous people of and maybe it's getting better but when I was in school with I, the new
0: curriculum I guarantee it's gotten
1: more. oh yeah I was gonna say in Alberta <laughs> it's probably not getting better but if you're listening from anywhere else other than Alberta god I hope it's getting better um <laughs> But in Alberta, it's definitely not getting better. But these are the things that we need to think about, because if everybody's like, oh, we love the gays and we love our token gays, but they don't know the history behind it. Like, it's like, what do you what does it doesn't make you look that good for all the other marginalized communities that you don't go out of your way to support?
0: Yeah, I mean, we like to put things like this a lot farther in history uh, just so we can make it seem like we're so much more advanced than we were. Like there's mm-hmm. actually a really common phenomenon of putting certain images in black and white. Um, and that's purely an editorial choice. Like you see a lot of black and white pictures of MLK, um, even though they're originally taken in yep. color and it's to make it seem like it's further back than it was and say so like, oh, that's, in, that's mm-hmm. history, you know, but oh, what is her name? Ruby Bridges. Yeah, she's still, like, not Mm -hmm. only is she still alive, like, she is not that old. Like, the first little Black girl to go to what was formerly an all-white school,
1: like. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing, right? It's like, you see pictures of Marsha P. Johnson, even, and, like, Sylvia Rivera, and they're in Black and White. And those are not Black and White photos. Like, you pick up any actual book is actually like a queer history book written by like somebody that actually is invested in queer history you will see those oh yeah you can books. google image them like, like they're beautiful yeah like it's and but you you just everybody want like society and the media wants it to be so to detached yeah. to make it look like it's better and like it's so important to realize that it's not better you know like this is like one small thing that has improved it 5%, but 5% on a global scale is not a lot. (laughs) Well, and so
0: putting it in the history, like further back, allows us to separate it from our own families as well, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we're both white, like, the people, people who went to residential schools are still very much alive, some of them not even that old, Yep. right, like, you look in the states, like, I said, little Ruby, like, Pictures of white people throwing rocks. Like those are people's parents and grandparents.
1: Like absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's the question you have to start asking, right? Is like if you are somebody that is white, you have to kind of start asking, like, where were you during this, Grandma? <laughs> what were you doing? Oh, I know what my grandma. You know. Was yeah well and like that's the thing and over time I've realized what my grandparents were likely doing thankfully because my mom has kind of shared some of those things with me but it's and that's where that's how you know you have to start doing some really serious work right because it's ingrained in you like and like because that's what your family did and that's what society did and people that look like you did and my I'm sure I have no doubt that I I know for a fact I know I have family members that would have voted against gay marriage family members that vote against gay rights oh yeah if it was put to a referendum like like, like,
0: I know which aunties and uncles would have voted against it
1: (laughs) oh 100 percent, 100 percent. so it's interesting like you gotta you gotta really ground yourself in that Anna, where were you?
0: Yeah, my mom's parents, not so bad. Like, my grandma was a stenographer for Tommy Douglas at one point.
1: Ooh, interesting.
0: Yes. When he traveled, he would hire local, like, women to type up his speeches. Yes, the father of healthcare. We're just going to ignore the fact that he was
1: also a eugenicist. (laughs)
0: Yes. So many were. You
1: win some, you lose some.
0: Well, that was another time Alberta threatened to use the notwithstanding clause was um, to limit the number of lawsuits they had to pay out
1: for forced sterilizations. I don't know if anybody is aware, but Becca's passion is this. Yes. History. (laughs) Like the amount of stuff you know about this, like I could, you could talk for days.
0: Let's, yeah, it's just a thing in my family. Mm -hmm. Like my mom took history, like. All of our family vacations had something to do with history. Like 100%. I remember sitting in a cafe in Quebec and my mom used salt and pepper shakers to reenact the battle of the plains of Abraham. Amazing. Yeah. So like we went to all the like old citadels in Canada and like my brother and cousin would like reenact ancient battles with sand castles mm-hmm. when we were at the beach.
1: Like, Oh my God. That's so cute.
0: Yeah. So history is a big part of my family.
1: <laughs> that's amazing
0: yeah yeah that's a little history for y'all because I know our kiddos when we asked them one of the first thing they said was we want to learn our history so
1: totally really really great place to start thank you
0: for that lesson Becca you're welcome have you thought of what your queer joy is
1: uh yeah I sure have have you thought about yours you know I did you go first this nice. time cool Um so my queer joy this week is because it's getting so close we are planning a drag show um and we are so freaking excited about it it's on April 2nd if you're in St. Albert or Edmonton or Alberta at all and you like to travel it's at the Arden Theatre in St. Albert it is going to be so much fun um it's actually our first like big event I don't want to say after COVID because COVID's not done. Since the but start. Alberta, yeah. Alberta has opened itself back up to a variant, really. Um, but they have unmasked and changed everything around so that we can do events in person again. And as yeah. awesome as that is for our kiddos, it's slightly scary, but we are really excited that we get to do this drag show because that's happening. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and it's our main fundraiser for the year. And then it will may or may not lead to a couple announcements about pride in the summer. Um, yeah, we are super, super excited. So if you're interested in that, check it out. It's all over our social media. I'm sure the queer halftime page shares it. And if they don't, i'm sure they will um, We do. don't do worry yeah amazing <laughs> so yeah feel free to message us if you have any questions um we are super super thrilled and can't wait to see everybody on april 2nd for the first time in person in so long
0: i hope to god we can have pride this year like
1: listen i don't even want to talk about it we are going to pretend that we can and act okay. like we can until we can't okay that's the COVID world, you know, <laughs> you, you, you got to plan to do things until they tell you you can't do the things. That's fair. What's your queer joy for the week, Becca? So I already kind of told you about it. It
0: is a very cool book I read recently called Disfigured by Amanda LaDuke. Um, I absolutely love like mythology and folklore and especially fairy tales. So this was a discussion of kind of western fairy tales from a disability lens Mm -hmm. um, and kind of what happens when you identify more with the ugly stepsister uh, or the beast um, than the you know cute little princess.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah yeah it was a really good book and a really good kind of different lens to view this thing that I love
1: through oh that sounds so good I love a good book yeah yes I am about to start what I'm hoping will be my next good book but I keep getting into books that I don't like so I love when people hear I hear people love a book you know yeah absolutely ah amazing yeah
0: awesome well thank you so much everybody for joining us Um, To all the lovely people who have been sending us reviews, thank you. And if you want to take a second to review us on your podcast platform of choice, that would be swell. (laughs) We're also very excited to see that we have listeners outside of Alberta and in different countries. So hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yes. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So be kind to yourself and others, and we will see you next week. I'm going to